Welcome to the Business of Design podcast. I'm Cheryl Horn, Director of Operations for Business of Design. A lot has changed at Business of Design since this episode originally aired. For the latest information and rates on events and membership at Business of Design, head to businessofdesign.com. Enjoy the show. Hello, hello. Welcome to Business of Design. I'm so glad you're here. Episode 179, The Power of an A-Team. With Holly, Phoebe, and Justine, you met them all previously on episode 177, three incredible interior design professionals. And this part of the conversation is juicy indeed. We may all have different business models and we may specialize in ways that are unlike one another. However, when you find a group of people who really are practicing the business of interior design the way you are, it's an incredibly valuable resource. You might think of these people as your board of directors, and that's a term I heard them use on the last episode. We also need an A-team when it comes to trades, right? We've got great ideas. We can draw them out. We can envision them, but I don't know about you. I can't build them. I need a contractor. I need a plumber. I need an electrician. I need a tiler. I need so many people to help me fulfill on the promise of my brand. I need suppliers, manufacturers, retailers, and I need trades. All of those people, when they work together, form what we like to refer to in my office as an A-team. It's also the term we use at Business of Design. The A-team makes you look good every single time. Imagine if I were a surgeon, a renowned surgeon, and every single time I went to perform surgery for someone, the patient told me who was going to assist me, who was going to be the anesthesiologist, who was going to be the nurse, who was going to be the other assistants I'm going to need in the operating room. So every single time it was a different team and not a team I was familiar with. I think it's safe to say the surgery wouldn't go as well. I think the same thing is true for interior design professionals. I would like to see licensing that supports our desire to be able to control our projects for the good outcome of the clients. Because I know when I select the trades who are going to work on a client project, I can guarantee the project's going to turn out well. And those times when I've worked with a client's trades and I didn't know them have turned out, on average, decidedly less well. We're not a united front. We're not a harmonious team. We're not a well-oiled machine. So that's kind of where the conversation veered this time. You can tell I'm all charged up about it. I so often feel that efforts at licensing tie our hands, make us impotent when it comes to the equation of a team of professionals who work with clients We have consult, but no meaningful influence if you look at most of the efforts to licensing. And I have to wonder if the majority of interior design professionals were men and not women, would that still be the case? Would we still have to do our work with one hand tied behind our back? Hmm, not so sure. We are going to talk about the A-team, not only having an A-team of incredible interior designers in your community like we do here at Business of Design, but also that A-team of trades who you can call when you have a great project and you know they're going to do excellent work and make your clients happy. We'll talk about licensing and how perhaps efforts so far don't really meet our needs. 
I am also going to tell you in this episode what I say to clients when a trade tries to throw me under the bus. You know, I'm really big on scripting. So once I find something that works, when I come up against that type of situation, I use the same line over and over. And this is a line and a technique that I've used quite a few times and it works really well. So you want to listen in for that. But the majority of wisdom in this episode comes straight from Justine Sterling, Phoebe Russell, and Holly Gagney. Justine's journey began almost 30 years ago in Cape Town, South Africa. She's a graduate of Cape Technion School of Art and Design. She loves art, organization, and the inherent nature of finding structure in chaos. Justine's portfolio varies from small urban condominium projects to kitchen renovations to entire home remodeling endeavors. Justine has one full-time employee and an expediting team. Phoebe Russell started business in 2008, and she received a degree from the New York School of Interior Design. You may recall I said she worked for Schumacher, but also for Victoria Hagen, which had to be incredible. Today, Phoebe's own firm consists of two full-time employees, a part-time draftsperson, and she considers her A-team as part of her team. Holly Gagney says interior design was a second career for her, but that's when her life really began. She knew she was destined for this career. She has a Master's of Interior Architecture from the Boston Architectural College, and she's been running independent design projects since 2007. She has a team of five, and I said this last time, her studio is located inside an historic barn. Holly's team specializes in renovations and builds, and she wants to have a strong hand in interior architecture. Make sure to find these three on Instagram, at Holly Gagne, G-A-G-N-E, at Lovejoy Interiors, that's where you'll find Phoebe, and at Justine Sterling Design. Such a good episode. I love this one, and I'm so glad you're here. Very short announcements today. Cheryl's at the cottage having a day off, which is wonderful. I'm just going to do a last pitch for anybody interested in Control Your Money, Control Your Life. It's going to be a fantastic webinar this Wednesday. It's $195. Brad Kleinard picks up where business of design leaves off. If you implement the systems and strategies you find here, you will have money and you will need financial planning. And it's important to start thinking about that today. So I hope you'll join us. Control your money, control your life. If you need to sign up but can't participate live, you will have access to the recording following the webinar. As for me, Thank you so much. We appreciate your support at Business of Design and I'm going to jump right into the show. Enjoy. Welcome to the Business of Design podcast with Kimberly Selden. Business of Design is the coaching community for independent designers like you. We know it takes more than hard work and talent to successfully run a professional design firm. There are proven business strategies that can solve your immediate challenges and transform your life. Don't try to do this alone. Join today and you'll have access to more than 100 video courses, participate in monthly coaching calls, and find unlimited support within our exclusive members-only Facebook group. Unlike traditional coaching, BOD is a fast track to immediate results for independent interior designers, decorators, architects, stagers, and landscapers just like you. 
Monthly membership is only $79. What are you waiting for? We all know design matters. At Business of Design, we think designers matter too. This is a continuation of a conversation we started in episode 177. We're going to jump in midstream and you will hear Phoebe Russell speaking first. I think one of the things that when I think about the last 10 weeks or so that we've been having our weekly calls, it's interesting that uh, we spend quite a bit of time talking about uh, our fees and what's and how we're, how we're pricing things. Do we do a flat fee contract? Do we do an hourly fee contract? And we're still talking about that and we don't have it figured out necessarily. And I think that um, one of the things I, I think with, with our industry is sometimes because it does feel a little bit like the wild, wild west. But just besides the fact that the business of design is making me personally, and I know for the three of us so much more clear on what our play, you know, what our steps are, for example, like that has given me such a framework, but in general, the industry, every single, there's so many designers that have different ways of working. And we oftentimes think about consumers and how hard that must be for a consumer to know how, you know, if they hire me versus Joe Smo down the street, they might have totally different processes. And I think that, you know, meeting as a group like this, it's help. We're hoping it helps we're talking more about how we can enhance the industry to be have better guidelines. As I know you are, Kimberly, that's your whole goal to try to help professionalize more and more every day our industry. And I feel a sense of ownership of that and responsibility as well, because I work for the consumers and I want our our the experience with my firm to be awesome and organized and understandable. And I want anyone that hires an interior designer to feel like our industry is of value and we're real business owners and we, we, we want to serve them. And I think that us meeting together, that's always our end goal. We want to, we know that we want to enhance the industry as a whole as well. Running our business with integrity, I think is really an underlying goal between, between all of us um, as we, as we talk, talk weekly. Yeah. And I think when I'm faced with a, a decision that I need to make a challenging conversation I have to have, now I have these guys just in the back of my head thinking, what would Phoebe and Justine say, you know, and, and how are they going to react when I tell them I didn't do what I was supposed to do? It's like they're holding me accountable and they're not even there. Um, and I think that's just what we need. You know, like both all of us have really said is there's not industry standard for how to run your business as an interior designer, and it looks different across the board. And I think, you know, once you find, you know, a place where your business is becoming profitable and you're having control and it's running the way that it should, and then you find a couple other people who are doing the same thing successfully, you know, that's really, that's really where you want to be. Mm-hmm. And we're up against some I would say some pretty powerful moneyed organizations that have ideas about how to standardize the industry, but I'm not sure those ideas are actually helpful to professional interior designers like the four of us. Um, sometimes I see an attempt at licensing, but I'm not sure how the licensing actually helps consumers or interior design professionals. It just 
doesn't feel like it's there yet. That's a frustration of mine because when I graduated from design school in 1991, boy, we were told, you know, get involved with these organizations and they are going to educate consumers. So everybody will know what it means to be a professional interior designer. And I would say it's mo it's so much worse now than it was in 1991. So we have to, we have to deputize each other to go out and uh, be evangelicals for this, I think is, is what's happening, Phoebe. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. You, you know, the, the, the business side of interior design, we talk about this all the time. This is what we talk about. You know, I think the design part of it is the easy part. You know, that's the part that we all have our own aesthetic. We all, you know, are going to bring something different to each and every of, of our clients. We don't want our industry to be so prescribed. I think what's amazing is that there are different types of designers who do different types of services. And I'm not going to be good at some of those services. And it, it's really not for me. I don't want to do those. And so that creates these really great niches where you can be an expert and you can get the clients that are right for you and the projects that are right for you. And if we try and constrain that, you know, it's really going to limit what's available to clients, especially in the residential industry. I and mean, there's just such a range of what people are looking for. Um, and, you know, we don't want to sort of regulate that. Um, we just want to get the clients and the projects that are right for our businesses. Mm -hmm. I think every single bit of legislation that I've ever seen come down the pipeline in some way, overtly or covertly, make sure that interior design professionals are not the lead on the project. It's a, in deference to fear about liability and responsibility. So the, the idea is that they're protecting us, which by the way, thank you. No, thank you. I don't need your protection. I'm happy to take the liability if I can run the project and be the lead on the project and make a living. But don't tie my hands so that I am a, I have meaningless consultation with clients who have to hire all their own trades and then I'm the poor sucker stuck when everything goes wrong I just feel like the legislation's just not going in the direction we need it to go yeah I mean that makes so much sense I do think ultimately if you're specifying something and you're designing something and you're essentially telling somebody how to do something you are going to get pulled into it um so you know that makes a lot of sense yeah, so at this yeah. moment, I feel like I either need to be an architect or I need to be a contractor or I can't be compliant with the law. So where is my role as an interior design professional? Am I really just supposed to tell people what color they should paint the walls? Or am I allowed to build houses? As I was told when I graduated from design school, if I'm allowed to build houses, don't I need trades to help me do that? Yeah, well, it's, it's interesting. There's a... Um a designer, local designer, <clears throat> that's working on my neighbor's house two doors down from me. And I'm in, intrigued to talk to her. She has a construction company and a design firm, two different names, both hers. And she runs the show. And it's really, really interesting. And I'd be interested to sort of see how that works. She obviously for, I'm, I'm assuming, maybe for liability reasons, you know, and because she has to have a construction license, um, has these two entities to what she brings to a job. She's doing a full-scale gut renovation, kitchen, master bathroom, master bed. 
And that is something that I'm intrigued by to see how that works. Yeah, I think that that's a really good, strong potential for people who want to build homes. Um, and it's similar to architects who aren't allowed to sell product. Architects now have an architecture firm and an interior design wing. And it takes a lot of education and approvals to call yourself an architect. An architect. It takes none to call yourself an interior designer. So they have a really easy time. They just, boom, open a new company. Now I'm also an interior design firm. And that firm will sell you the furniture, which the architect has selected, right? So um, it's interesting. I know quite a few people who are in that situation where they have a construction firm and an interior design firm. And the other part of it that's really interesting is all the furniture and all the sales come from the interior design company through the construction company. And so markup is whatever you say it is. Wow. I know. Wow. Pin drop. Very, very big pin drop just there. Anyway, you guys are going to have lots to talk about the next call. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> I think that to the point about niching yourself and know I know that when it comes to vendors that I'm being responsible for, the more that I do it, there's certain groups of vendors that I work with directly and I'm loyal to that I know that I can when I manage the project and I manage all the vendors which in my world where I feel the most confident I'm in, you know managing the window treatment installers the carpet installers the tile installers but when it gets into the architectural construction side of the vendors that's not my world and I I so it's tough because a lot of our projects do there is a construction element of it and there is the interior design element of it. And the, as the years go by, I've become more aware of like when I'm managing well and when I feel in complete control and I know the outcome of the project will be successful when I'm managing the right vendors. But when I start trying to manage certain vendors that I, that I'm my, you know, I'm not quite, I don't have as much experience in, or frankly, I'm not an architect or I'm not a contractor I've noticed that things can go are a little more uncomfortable for me. So I, I know I found that when I'm managing the right people, the projects go well. And I've had to get clear with myself of what I really want to be and who I really, who I really, I want to manage and I want to control a lot of the project to make it successful. And I've had to get clear with myself of who those people in my group are that I will be able to manage well because I have enough experience with them from a design perspective. Yeah, I couldn't agree more, which is why when I go into a project and there's a renovation element and I, by law, can't hire the contractor, I can't succeed. So what, what is my role then? Like, you know, I don't know, paint the walls blue. I don't care. It's not, you've, I have no control over this. It's going to be a hot mess. So, you know, call me when yeah. it's done and I'll help you fix it, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> It's challenging, right? It's really challenging, but I agree. It comes down to exactly what Phoebe says. If you can have control over your vendors, the project can be successful. If you have no control over your vendors, it's a crapshoot. It's so true. I mean, and I think we do do a lot of um, construction design. We do a lot of major renovations, new construction. We're basically dealing, detailing every bit of a design element on the inside of a home, sometimes the exterior too. Um, for us, we have just, it's taken a long time, but we have found a couple of contractors who just understand what an interior designer does. 
They understand how to read our drawings. They understand how to ask us questions, not make assumptions, call us when they need to. And I have been in that place where I was working with many contractors who didn't want to do that. They didn't understand what interior designers do. And it was a hot mess every single time. So for us right now, you know, we can't manage a construction site. We probably just don't have the capacity to do that. Um, but we are detailing every single thing that should happen in that home. And we're taking jobs where we trust the contractor and if it's just a random contractor and we are getting the sense that they have not worked with a designer before, we're saying no. It just, it does, it creates a very challenged dynamic throughout the project. And like you said, you become disconnected to it um, and you just can't see it through to its fullest potential. And that for us is very frustrating. Right. It's where, where contractors, some contractors can see designers as this handbrake in the process, whereas mm -hmm. we anything but. And once they embrace that, they, they will succeed and the project will look better. It'll run fast. It'll be more efficient. Just read the notes on the drawing. <laughs> yeah, it's definitely an education process with contractors and the ones we are successful with now, they didn't have interior designers in the past that worked with them like this, but they were open to learning it, listening, understanding, collaborating, and it's super successful. Some of our best projects now are just with these contractors who understand how we work and it's, it's an education process and you have to be able to tell them exactly what you need instead of what do they need. Right. Right. And it's like a huge collaboration. Like I feel <clears throat> It definitely has to go both ways and having a great, um, you know, having a system where you can like meet regularly is like, you know, I can't say enough about that. Just, just meeting, meeting regularly with these contractors and being able to um, have them voice concerns and issues or coordination issues that they may see on drawings that maybe things that you didn't think about. Um, that's just as important. So I think it's, it's definitely goes two ways. Um, but having contractors that are open to that philosophy. No, it's such a good point. I mean, when you run into an unanticipated situation on a project, the fact that the contractor calls the designer first and they collaborate on what the right solution is to go back as a united front to the client with a couple of options that are well thought out you know, this is all about just eliminating stress for the client and you've got to have a contractor who's not going to run to the homeowner because they stopped by and start asking them things. It's got to be a very clear communication line. Right. And imagine if we had contractors on the podcast with us right now, they'd say, oh yeah, but you don't understand what it's like to work with other interior designers. They're a nightmare which is true, right? So going back to what somebody said early about it being the Wild West, they've had experiences where they're working with a designer who doesn't know what they're doing, who never is able to answer a question with any authority, who's trying to also throw them under the bus. So it really is about the two industries coming together, I think, and figuring out how to be more synergistic and working together. And I think a new breed of contractor is grooming. We're grooming a new breed of contractor. I'm finding the younger contractors I'm working with really get it now. And um, they can see the benefit and they can see how we make them look good. At the end of the day, 
when we're involved, the project gets finished all the way to a beautiful photograph. And when we're not, it doesn't. So if they want great photos for the website, huh, maybe I should develop a relationship with, you know, Phoebe Russell or Holly Gagne or Justine Sterling. Holly, did I say your last name right? Holly Gagne? I like the French version, but we, uh, we're a Gagne. The Massachusetts okay. Springfield version. <laughs> Holly Gagne. Maybe I'll leave it in just like that. <laughs> Holly Gagne. <laughs> Gagne. Gagne. <laughs> I love it. Okay, one last thing I was thinking about with the contractor element. Um, I, too, have run into, you know, where people get thrown under the bus or, you know, they, issues that are not very pleasant. So the last couple, the last one project we recently had, um, I intentionally was like, I'm, this one's going to go well. I am not, there's no other option here. And how can I start this relationship off with a contractor I had not worked with yet, but I liked him. He was a good guy. And I said, listen, let's sit down together in my office and let's go through the entire scope and say whose responsibility is what and who's if, if there was some ordering that he was doing versus I was doing like get it out on the table rather than in the moment when we're trying to you know uh, punt and that made the project did we have a couple ish things that happened yes but overall he felt respected I felt respected I knew he we had verbally communicated who was doing what and whose responsibility was what and if the client never the client we went to the client most of the time as a as a team and because and that just really helped me feel better having that like scope meeting for two hours together and sussing it all out and I, I think that that was helpful for me that I hadn't done before honestly yeah, that seems like a really good approach. I do know somebody said something about uh, the contractor going directly to the client and then amping up the client's anxiety and stress. And one of the things I've learned when a situation like that occurs, well, and the client will come to me with something like, this thing happened and it's, you know, end of days kind of thing. Um, you know, like the drapes aren't straight or something. I don't know. <laughs> like, I'll say, um, so what did Joe say? Huh, how did that make you feel? Did that, did that, create confidence in you and a good feeling that your project is on track? Or did that make you feel stressed out and full of anxiety? And the client will say, stressed out, full of anxiety. I'm like, uh-huh. I would wonder why one of my trades would want to make me feel like that. And then I just quiet and let them think about that. Like, oh, wow, that trade did try to start something with me. Yeah, I think that's such a good point. I think that, you know, once a contractor has an experience with a professional designer, they will understand all the benefits that go with it. It's going to eliminate all those conversations that are uncomfortable with the client. It's yeah. going to eliminate, you know, the challenges of having to have a client pick something in a spastic moment and more in a calm process with the designer kind of behind the scenes where they don't even have to get involved. I think once they go through in an organized, you know, collaborative process, I don't think they'll ever go back. And they'll know what questions to ask when they come up to the next project. And they'll know who to bring on for the next project when they're asked. Here, here. I like this vision that we have of a future world, a utopia where designers and contractors and architects and clients just get along and everybody knows what each one is doing. 
<laughs> Let's go for that. I think that's a worthwhile vision for sure. And we do like to end every episode with something we call design intervention. So what comes to mind? Well, this is Holly and mine is so basic, but it's charge more. I literally Woo! over, you know, <laughs> 10 years heard that from so many people, not just family, you know, mentors, people in the industry. And I just was, it's the feeler in me, you know, I just always felt bad about that. And it wasn't until I charged more that I had a profitable business where I felt really confident in what we were doing. Um, So best, best advice ever. Well said, but wait a minute now with COVID, don't you have to charge less now, Holly? No, I mean, I really, and, and I've listened to you say this a lot, but I think I'm looking towards the future. I, I feel like, you know, temporarily, this is, this is a hurdle for us to get over, but I want to set my business up for long-term success. And I don't want to be stuck in a couple months with a bunch of projects at lower rates that I'm not super happy about. So we are still saying no, we are still holding our ground because I'm just looking ahead and I know we just have to get over these little bumps. I feel like we need some like, you know, crowds, you know, applause, um, (laughs) sound effects there. Yeah, well said, beautiful, beautiful. I mean, I think that beyond uh, the three of us going to the Elite Retreat and then the Las Vegas, there's so many, I met so many amazing business owners there that, it's just such a wonderfully supportive community. Well, so I feel you. really grateful to have you guys in my life. And I learn things every day from you. So thank you as well. And my ceiling is all gone in Santa Monica, Phoebe. It's gone. So oh, I, have like, nice. I have like 10 foot ceilings now, but the whole renovation got stopped because of COVID. Uh, <laughs> we just can't seem to get that place renovated. <sighs> I was yeah, my daughter's living there right now. The ceilings are gone. And, uh, uh, it's anyway, she's loving it though. <laughs> I'm never going to get her out. <laughs> being in there. That, was, that was great. It's such a, the view you have. Wow. I miss it. I miss it. I miss the sand and the sun. So we'll see what happens in January, February. Let's hope we're all out and about by then. I know. Oh, <laughs> Yeah. 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 This was oh, so great. Thank uh, you so much. All right, you guys. Be well, stay healthy. Bye, you too. See you later. Thank you for being a part of the Business of Design community. If you love what you hear on the podcast, take the next step by signing up at businessofdesign.com. As our thank you, you'll gain access to Business of Design's 15 step project management strategy, a free introductory course which includes three Business of Design systems you can implement for immediate results. And when you're ready for success, a Business of Design membership, monthly or annual, will dramatically improve your business and your life. What are you waiting for? Together, we will achieve extraordinary results. Start today.